Welcome back to The Daily Poem, a podcast from Goldberry Studios. I'm Sean Johnson, and today is Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. Today's poem is by the eminent Victorian Matthew Arnold, and it's called Dover Beach, probably his most famous poem. I'll read it once, say a word or two, and then read it one more time. Dover Beach. The sea is calm tonight. The tide is full. The moon lies fair upon the straits. And on the French coast, the light gleams and is gone. The cliffs of England stand, glimmering and vast, out in the tranquil bay. Come to the window. Sweet is the night air. Only, from the long line of spray where the sea meets the moon-blanched land, listen. You hear the grating roar of pebbles which the waves draw back and fling at their return up the high strand, begin and cease, and then begin again, with tremulous cadence slow, and bring the eternal note of sadness in. Sophocles long ago heard it on the Aegean, and it brought into his mind the turbid ebb and flow of human misery. We find also in the sound a thought, hearing it by this distant northern sea, the sea of faith was once, too, at the full, and round earth's shore lay like the folds of a bright girdle furled. But now I only hear its melancholy, long, withdrawing roar, retreating to the breath of the night wind, down the vast edges drear and naked shingles of the world. Ah, love, let us be true to one another. For the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams so various, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy, nor love, nor light, nor certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. We are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight, where ignorant armies clash by night. There's a very good chance that you first encountered this poem in school. Uh, it's a favorite of high school English teachers, favorite of college English teachers, freshman philosophy teachers, uh, and the like. It's also a favorite of poetry anthologists. Uh, though it is not, at least formally, uh, indicative of Matthew Arnold's typical style. This is a standout poem for him. Uh, and that might be one of the reasons that it's so well-remembered while uh, the rest of his poetic work uh, sort of fallen out of uh, favor or memory, which is too bad. I think he's a fairly talented poet, although he's uh, remembered now more as a, a critic and philosopher. The reason that this poem uh, stands out or... Uh, it's of note to later readers is probably because uh, it has been considered by some to be the first true free verse poem. Uh, it is not without meter, but it has no, no standard or recurring meter. Each line, in fact, has a different metrical rhythm from the lines before and after it, uh, with, with the exception of just two lines in the entire poem. 
We'll come back to those in a minute. Uh, this choice seems to be intentional and has a kind of double significance. One, uh, the subject is the ocean, the tide, uh, which comes and goes, uh, undulates in a broadly predictable cycle, but uh, in the immediate is actually pretty uh, unpredictable. You can't look at one wave and then anticipate what the next wave is going to do, or what shape it's going to take. Uh, and so, two, the meter uh, in Arnold's poem here follows that, that image or is consistent with that image. Uh, the other is that what underlies the natural imagery of the poem is a kind of uh, uncertainty of life in general. Uh, the tradition is that Arnold wrote this in the year 1851 while on his honeymoon. He honeymooned uh, in Dover uh, on the eastern coast of Britain where you can, on a good night, uh, see, as the poem suggests, the lights across the English Channel in uh, the port city of Calais in France. And here, those lights are going out. The continent, uh, which is uh, awash in unbelief, maybe, uh, uh, some Victorians might say, uh, was already a dark spot culturally uh, in Arnold's imagination. And the cliffs of England stand, we get in line four, but there's just a brief beat uh, there before uh, <laughs> a more general note of pessimism uh, replaces even that brief optimism. So England uh, remains a little better off. There's still some gleaming and glimmering uh, in, on the English coast, whereas the lights in France have gone out. But the sea of faith, generally speaking, is receding, uh, Arnold says. Or the speaker, at any rate, says, as we go on, uh, this is uh, something that has been happening for a long time or has been uh, witnessed differently in different ages, he suggests. Sophocles heard the note of sadness in the ocean uh, ages ago on the coast of the Aegean. Uh, the great tragedian uh, Sophocles knew a thing or two about the note of sadness. Uh, but Arnold still challenges that maybe the note of sadness being heard now is uh, a novel one because the recession and the loss is so great. Arnold himself, uh, though he was the, the son of the great uh, school teacher, the headmaster of rugby school, Thomas Arnold, uh, who uh, really inspired a kind of... Uh, everyday piety in a lot of uh, young Englishmen. Uh, Arnold himself was uh, a pretty avowed uh, atheist and or agnostic at least and a materialist who didn't have too much regret about the uh, spiritual or theological implications of the sea of faith receding, uh, but was very troubled at the idea of losing uh, the cultural and ethical uh, supports and safeguards that had come from uh, the dominance of Christianity in Europe. And his fear was that those things were disappearing uh, or that the sea of faith was receding faster than something else could come in to take its place, a kind of uh, genteel and high-minded 
post-Christian culture or morality. Uh, Arnold himself worked very hard to uh, create some kind of vision for uh, such a culture, uh, but never quite, never quite felt at ease uh, with the, the success of his project. And so he comes in the end uh, to the really heavy claim at the end of the poem, the final stanza, that though his love is beside him, and though it seems as if uh, the, the, their life and the future before them is bright and beautiful, really, life hath no joy, nor love, nor light, nor certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. And incidentally, those are the two lines that share uh, a meter, which seems to be Arnold's way of saying the only real certainty, the only certitude in this life is the lack of joy, lack of love, lack of life, and lack of certitude, ironically or paradoxically. Uh, which leads me to believe that the real takeaway from this poem is that Matthew Arnold must have been a, a massive downer on his honeymoon. <laughs> uh, perhaps uh, if there is a uh, final act or an epilogue to this poem, uh, it might be, or I wish it had been, uh, that his uh, new bride could remind him that the tide doesn't just go out, it always comes back in. Here is Dover Beach one more time. The sea is calm tonight. The tide is full. The moon lies fair upon the straits. On the French coast, the light gleams and is gone. On the cliffs of England stand, glimmering and vast out in the tranquil bay. Come to the window. Sweet is the night air. Only from the long line of spray where the sea meets the moon-blanched land, listen. You hear the grating roar of pebbles which the waves draw back and fling at their return up the high strand. Begin and cease and then begin again with tremulous cadence slow. And bring the eternal note of sadness in. Sophocles long ago heard it on the Aegean, and it brought into his mind the turbid ebb and flow of human misery. We find also in the sound a thought, hearing it by this distant northern sea. The sea of faith was once, too, at the full, and round earth's shore lay like the folds of a bright girdle furled. But now I only hear its melancholy, long, withdrawing roar, retreating, to the breath of the night wind, down the vast edges, drear and naked shingles of the world. Ah, love, let us be true to one another. For the world which seems to lie before us like a land of dreams, so various, so beautiful, so new, hath really neither joy, nor love, nor light, nor certitude, nor peace, nor help for pain. And we are here as on a darkling plain, swept with confused alarms of struggle and flight where ignorant armies clash by night. This has been The Daily Poem.
Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you. To listen to past episodes or support this show, please visit dailypoempod.substack.com. If you are interested in reading more Victorian literature, uh, you can pop over to our flagship show, uh, closereads.substack.com, where we are working our way through Anthony Trollope's uh, first novel, The Warden. On behalf of our whole team at Goldberry Studios, I'm Sean Johnson. Until next time, happy reading.